As G.K. Chesterton said, there are no words to express the abyss between isolation and having one ally. Having someone in your life that is committed to your good makes a world of difference because, well, when we're alone, abandoned, and left to our own devices, we often find ourselves trapped in a mess of our own making. But what if you discovered that there was always someone there for you? Let's dive in. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. What do you do when you're alone? Who or what do you turn to when you are hurt and all by yourself? It's one of the best questions because it sheds light on the feebleness of human solutions. Debbie Stilley was isolated and traumatized, but no answers she could find seemed to help until the light finally broke into the darkness on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Also, you'll want to stick around because later we are going to give the rest of you an opportunity to enter yet another sweepstakes drawing for an exciting prize. But first, let's get to it, folks. The classic true story of Debbie Stilley. Here comes Debbie. Here comes Debbie. Look, look at her. Look at her. Oh, that dress must be your mother's. Look, look, look. It hangs crooked and it's huge. Oh, and those shoes! <laughs> oh, those shoes look like boats! Where's the blood, Daddy? Hey, you forgot to cut your hair! Oh, oh, or is that a bird's nest for science class? Come on, let's go play tag. Not you, dummy! The honesty of children can be cruel. They ridiculed that girl who grew up to be the woman in our story. They didn't know that her mother had died, leaving the family without guidance. They didn't know that their taunts would echo through her heart for years to come. This is Debbie Stilley's classic true story of overcoming that heartache, right now on Unshackled. I was seven years old when my mother died. Dad was left with eight of us kids still living at home. Five had already grown up and left. I don't have to tell you how destitute we were. Mother's death and the scorn I endured at school filled me with hatred, and I withdrew into myself. About a year later, I was adopted by a middle-class couple. What a difference in my life. You should have seen Debbie when I dropped her off. Yeah? What happened? She really hung on to me going up the steps to school. I don't know why she was so scared. Uh, she's a pretty little girl in her new clothes. Oh, yeah. She looks like a completely different girl. And her hair is so cute. Maybe that's why she was scared. Because of her hair? Well, everything has changed for her. New parents, new clothes, new school, new kids. I see what you mean. The other kids came right up and welcomed her, though. She relaxed. That's good. She'll do fine. I was more than fine. I was overjoyed to be accepted, even popular at school. The next three years skipped by quickly. Then, when I was 11, 
My new parents adopted a two-year-old boy named Ricky. I was jealous and angry and refused to have anything to do with him at first. In less than two years, though, our family situation forced me to reach out to him. I don't even want to talk to you. And oh, boy. They're at it again, Ricky. Sit here close to me, okay? You're shivering. Don't worry, honey. Everything will be okay. I did not say that. You did, too, and I'm sick of it. What makes you think you're any better, huh? You're always gone, always making excuses. I'm not fooling around. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past you. Just get out of here. And don't hurry back. Maybe I won't come back at all. There he goes. But he'll be back, Ricky. Don't worry. I'll take care of you till he comes back. My brother and I clung to each other for the next year as Mom and Dad split up and got together again from time to time. The chaos at home drove me into dark thoughts, memories of my other life and mother's death. My new parents divorced, and afterward, Mom began bringing her boyfriends home, where alcohol was always present. When I was in eighth grade, something very embarrassing happened. Mom was driving me to school, and her boyfriend was riding with us. He touched me and spilled beer on me. Mom just smiled. I was so upset, I couldn't wait to get out of the car. Goodbye, Debbie. I hope you have... My brother and I were split apart, in spite of our bonded feelings for each other, because of the difficult things we were going through. He stayed with Mom while I went to live with Dad. I plunged into a deeper depression, withdrawing into myself, hardly speaking to anyone. There were times I'd just sit and cry, and have an uncontrollable fit. I wrote in my notebooks, what is love? Where is love? When I was 16, I was totally violated, after which I became very wild and unruly. I was sent to see a psychiatrist. How are you feeling today, Debbie? Oh, full of hate. Want to talk about it? You know what my favorite pastime is? I'd like to know. I like to sit in total darkness and hate all the people around me for what they did to me. What did they do? Blew my world apart. Ruined my life. And do you think your world can be put back together? How? My family is scattered. Who knows where? My real mother is dead. Do you blame your mother for leaving you? I don't know. Maybe. Sometimes I talk to her out loud as if she's right there in the room with me. But she's not there. No. Then I cry, where's my mommy? Where can she be? You can't bring your mother back, Debbie. I guess you're right. That's quite a t-shirt you're wearing. <laughs> yeah. Devil woman? That's me. What makes a devil woman? The dark. Dark things happening. Dark thoughts. The devil likes the dark. Well, most people don't like darkness. Oh, sure they do. They just don't know it. I understand you're working now. Yeah, I like to work. I get along with my coworkers too, believe it or not. Does that surprise you? Well, I am seeing a shrink. Are you still hearing those voices? Yeah, and I argue with them. Debbie, you're going to be all right. You've been through a lot, and it's, it's going to take some time to work through it.
was totally lost. I played around with the unknown, with astrology and seances, until many kids at school were afraid of me. When I was 18, I moved out on my own, but my own wasn't much. It was about that time when I met Alan and we began dating. Neither of us was working at the time. Good thing you're keeping so many clothes in the backseat. You can just put another layer on when you're cold. Yeah, and I'm glad you can store your own clothes at your mom's. There's not enough room in here for yours and mine. I'm sorry yours gets so wrinkled. I don't care if they're wrinkled. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm not either. You know, I've learned the hard way. If you try too hard, people take advantage of you. Yeah, I know where you're coming from. It's a hard world out there, full of lies. Alan, please don't ever lie to me. I won't, Debbie. I've heard so many lies. When I was 16, we had a neighbor who wanted to be my sugar daddy. He was married, too. He promised to get me my own apartment, car, tranquilizers, anything I wanted. All I had to do was see him once a week. Did you? No. It was tempting, though. Why? Because I wanted to get away from home. Yeah, I can understand that. Come on, let's go. Where? We gotta find some vending machines to break open if we want to buy gas to keep this car running. I want to stay warm. So do I. Come on, let's go. Alan and I were living in my car then, even though it was winter. We had strong feelings for each other, and we thought that was all that mattered. In the spring, we married, and after a few months, his mother let us live with her. Alan put up with a lot from me that first year. Many times, in a fit of rage, I'd hit him. He'd just hold me till I calmed down. One night, we were out drinking, and I was driving. Sure is nice to have some money again, isn't it? My employment is about to run out, though. That's okay. I think my job at the Animal Refuge will last. But I'd like to have my own money. I'll take care of you, Debbie. Don't worry. I've heard that before. And I see the way you look at Jane. Ah, don't be like that. I'll be any way I want to be, okay? You know, maybe we shouldn't drink if it's going to make trouble between us. The trouble is there, whether we drink or not. Debbie, Debbie, calm down. I'm stopping the car. Get out. What? What are you- Get out of the car! Right now! Don't be like this, Debbie! You can just walk home! I was heading for his mother's house, then changed my mind and decided to go back and argue with him. Faster and faster I drove, growing more and more angry. I was beginning to realize Alan wasn't the answer to my problems, so I didn't care if I lived or died. The speedometer read 90 as I flew through the air at the top of a hill and saw a curve at the bottom waiting for me. Folks, we'll get back to Debbie's story in just a moment, but first, I want to tell you a bit about how your contributions to Unshackled are furthering the work of the gospel. Unshackled is now in its 73rd year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we are able to share Unshackled worldwide 
So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there is one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check to Unshackled and mail it to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the classic true story of Debbie Stilley. Debbie! Debbie! Are you all right? Debbie! Oh, Alan! My leg. My leg. Don't try to move it. Let me get you out. Alan. You're hurt. I, I... Don't try to talk. I'll get you out of here. I was coming back. I know. To argue with you. Although the car was totaled, I was miraculously unhurt, except for some bad cuts and a badly swollen leg. I was treated and released from the hospital, but not from the torment in my soul. Alan and I continued to drink, especially after his mother moved out of state. By night, Alan turned our trailer into a party place. By day, I was working in the kitchen of a nursing home and still dabbling in the dark side with some of my friends, which led to some heated discussions during our coffee breaks. Who wants a Coke? I do. Are you still working on that horoscope? Oh, this is a different one. I'm doing ands now. You really believe in that stuff? You bet. I live by my horoscope. If it says I'll have a disturbing day, I have a disturbing day. <laughs> Can't you see it's setting you up and you follow through, though? No, I'm telling you, it's real. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Let me do yours and you'll see. No way. I don't need my horoscope done. I was spiritually lost, caught up in a pointless, wasted life that didn't seem right. But on the other hand, it was all Alan and I knew. My dad gave us a Bible, and I read it while I was high on acid. Then, early in 1980, he invited Alan and me to hear an evangelist speak at a local high school gym. As we drove home afterward, I was so excited, I couldn't stop talking. Good thing we went, huh? I was shocked. There was someone like me, someone lost and unhappy and looking for the answer. And the answer was God. I can't believe it, Alan. Something wonderful happened tonight. How come you raised your hand and lowered it when the evangelist gave the invitation? I felt so low and rotten. I didn't think I deserved to be forgiven. I'm glad you nudged me to raise it up again. I was glad when you raised your hand. And I was hoping you did too. I'm so excited! I just know our life is going to be different. I never knew that Jesus chose to die for our sins. To think he went to the cross willingly. That's love. Now I know what love is. God is love. I've never seen you like this before. I've never felt so loved before. Never knew we could have eternal life, have a savior that we can trust and believe in. I can't wait to get home and read this pamphlet they gave us. You want to go over it again? Yes, 
I want to be certain that we received Christ tonight. It says no one can earn his way to heaven by good works or religious deeds because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. Oh, we broke a lot of laws, didn't we? Thinking only of ourselves. Oh, we're definitely guilty. In Romans 5.8, it says... But God commendeth his love toward us, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And here, in 10.10, it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It all makes sense. I'd like us to pray again. Okay, let's kneel. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we know we've sinned against you and don't deserve eternal life. Yet we believe Jesus died and rose from the grave and has the power to grant us eternal life. Please forgive our sins and save us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was so excited, and yet the following morning, Alan and I had different reactions to this new birth that had taken place. I'd better get a move on. Um, okay. What's the matter? I don't feel any different. Do you? Am I supposed to? I still feel like a load of sin has been lifted knowing I'm forgiven. I'm irritated that I don't feel different. Maybe it takes time. I'll pick you up after work. This is so frustrating. Why don't I feel any different? I don't get it. With it all being so new, it took me a while to understand that being saved is not based on feelings, but on the act of Christ dying on the cross for my sins, in my place. Jesus taking on the punishment that I deserved. I didn't understand, at that time, the need to grow that comes with desiring the Word of God. I wasn't so much doubting salvation, but yearning for assurance. And Alan was right. It was something I had to work through. I discovered that morning in the little booklet, Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. I worked on memorizing it, which really helped me. How's your day? It was amazing. I memorized a psalm, and every time I felt frustrated with a customer, I'd repeat it, and I calmed down. That's nice. You should try it. <laughs> I usually don't feel like punching anyone. God's word applies to every situation, though. In Psalm 119, it says, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Pretty good memory there. You know what else I learned from the booklet? What's that? That we should find a good church, one that teaches about Jesus and the Bible. I agree. I'd like that, too. As we prayed for God's Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth, God's Word began to change our lives. And hearing scripture in church gave us insight to know our Heavenly Father better, as well as helped us to make Christ known. God was really having an impact in our lives, even one that no one saw coming. What do you mean you want to go see your biological father? I think it'd be nice to reach out and see how he is. Why would you do that? Maybe he needs Christ's love in his life, Dad. After what he did to you? 
What exactly did he do? Well, when we wanted to adopt you, he would not sign until we gave him $200. We were certain he was going to drink it away. Are you saying he sold me? For booze, honey. Yes, he's a mean man. And some of the stories you shared with us that happened before you came? Well, I'm surprised you want to see him at all. Knowing I was sold for a measly 200 bucks really hurt, giving a lot of pain and torment for me to work through. Eventually, a lot of prayer, God's love, and conviction for my biological father's soul outweighed the pain to where I longed to see him as God granted me peace. I understood why dad could not be supportive, and I was glad for Alan's support. I'm not buying whatever it is you're selling. Um, that's not why we're here. Well, what is it? Do you know who I am? No. I'm Debbie, your daughter. Huh? Well, well, well. And this is my husband, Alan. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know, I loved your mother. I knew you felt that way. I also know that your drinking was a problem. Have you always been an alcoholic? Yeah. yeah. Always. And you know, poor little Carolyn was the, the youngest of you 14 kids. And she was only four when I gave her up. And, and I really hated that. Can you imagine? Four so young. Just a little thing she was. My father didn't seem to recall or care about letting me go. What a blow that was to me. It took a bit to get my bearings back in order. I'm reminded of Joseph in the Bible, how he had been betrayed, sold, and mistreated. And yet, he forgave instead of allowing himself to be consumed by bitterness. So I tried following his example. For 18 months, we visited my father weekly, not knowing if we were getting anywhere. Come in, it's cold out there. Oh, sure is. What's, what's all over your dress? <laughs> Antifreeze. A hose broke under the dash and sprayed me. Why didn't you go back home? I suggested it. I wouldn't hear of it. This time's important to me. I, uh, I see. Dad? I'd really like to read you another Bible story. All right. Do you mind? It's a story about Jesus speaking to a Samaritan woman. I'll listen. Dad listened very carefully. And when I finished, I asked him if he wanted to put his trust in Jesus Christ and receive him as his Lord and Savior and begin a life of submitting to him living for him and he said yes i was so grateful god gave me the strength to not lose focus on him by allowing my own thoughts and feelings of hurt to become a stumbling block it would have stood in the way of this man's salvation i was only able to extend grace and forgiveness to my biological father because of god's boundless grace and forgiveness to me in my life Praise God, he is so good, 
and does good. Another testimony of God's saving grace, shining the light of his love into an anguished heart and bringing peace and freedom. Listening friend, if you long for such a light, why don't you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today? Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 say, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This heartfelt prayer is the beginning of a new life. It's a journey of transformation, as we saw in Debbie's story. But it's the sure path, one of walking with the Lord who sticks closer than a brother. If you need help in making this crucial decision, we encourage you to call 1-888-NEED-HIM, or you can get in touch with us here at Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions, and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org, or you can leave us a message at 312-281-1264. Now, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast. It really helps us out. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, the prize for the sweepstakes contest is yet another beautiful wooden scripture plaque. The verse on this one is 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 6, which reads, The day of the Lord cometh as a thief in the night. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. This plaque is beautiful, folks, and it would make a great everyday reminder of God's perfect promises. Unfortunately, we are only able to mail this plaque to locations within the United States, so our drawing is limited to U.S. addresses. But if you reside in the U.S., all you have to do to enter our sweepstakes drawing is call 312-281-1264 or email podcast at unshackled.org and give us your name, phone number, and email. That's your name, your phone number, and email. The deadline to enter the drawing will be December 2nd, and we will announce the winner on December 18th just in time to be a great Christmas gift. We look forward to hearing from you. And next time... Hello? Janet. Deborah, are you okay? I wanted to let you know that Malcolm passed this morning. When Janet has two close friends pass away unexpectedly... Mom, mom died a couple days ago. Oh, Henry, I'm so sorry. She is faced with two vastly different reactions to the loss of a loved one. Some of you mentioned you're praying for me. I just want you to know you don't need to bother. A week later, I found myself at another funeral. 
At the moment Mal's heart beat for the last time, he was in the presence of God, starting his new life in a new body that will never die. Right. Which pathway will she follow? When we die, we are present with the Lord. There's hope with that. I don't know if I believe that. Don't miss this very special episode, A Tale of Two Funerals, on the next Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Debbie Stilley were Mara Kate Burns, Patrick Thompson, Cheryl Lynn Galemo, Jeff Lupiton, and Tom Geich. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Patrick Thompson. Sound assistant, Emma Ware. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler and Kylie Hammond. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ.